Welcome to my podcast, I'm Roz Asheroff. When I think of remarkable leaders, one thing that truly stands out is their unwavering commitment to achieve greatness without compromising. They're driven to achieve exceptional results. They never settle for mediocrity. What sets them apart is that they know that success is a team effort. They know how to connect, how to nurture, how to ignite a spark in people. What really makes them shine is their ability to be strong enough to be vulnerable, transparent enough to admit to their imperfections, and wise enough to know how to build up the strengths of their people. Now, if you're curious to put a name to a person, look no further than Craig Davis. At the helm of cloud services at SAP, Craig possesses every one of these qualities. His leadership style is nothing short of transformational, and I couldn't be more excited to welcome him as a guest on my podcast. Together, Craig and I are going to dive into his leadership journey, exploring how he walks his talk. So Craig, are you ready? My goodness, I am ready. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Thank you, Roz. And you know what? It's from my heart. We've known each other for so many years, and it is a pleasure to have you. So let me start with a question. All right. Could you share a personal story or an experience that profoundly influenced your leadership style? It shaped the kind of leader you are today. It's a great question. And uh, what I would say, Roz, there's kind of two pieces. And this is my prior to the professional world. I played sports as a kid. And I do think that a lot of things that I learned on, I was a soccer player, a basketball player, a baseball player, and a lot of the leadership qualities that I learned, I honestly learned from back in the day, back when I was playing sports, we, we, we won some, we lost a lot. And as you talk to leaders, you really learn a ton from both areas. You learn a lot when you lose. You learn how to motivate individuals uh, that you play with. And a lot of what we had done when I was a kid, if you will, I bring to the, to the professional world. So I do think that a lot of the motivational activities, picking up your teammate, uh, showing uh, empathy and compassion to your folks that you sometimes play with or play against. I learned a lot from those, those times that I, I carry forward. And on the professional side, I, I, I do have one that I, I like to think about. And this brings me back to pre-SAP, which is where I am today. But I worked for Boeing, the helicopter division in Philadelphia. And at the time, I was an industrial engineer working on the shop floor. And we had a, a supervisor on the floor. His name was Joe Torello. And I remember him giving me some guidance and, and direction, and, and I, was, I gave him some feedback. I said, well, Joe, I, I'm not the supervisor. I'm, just, I'm the, only the industrial engineer. And his coaching to me, which stuck with me, which I still use today, was, you know, Craig, you may be the industrial engineer, but you have as much power as you so choose to take. Wow. And, and that was kind of a, you know, a Spider-Man-esque <laughs> type of comment. And, you know, I took that to heart because I've used that in my, in my career to make sure that no matter what role I'm in, if I choose to take a larger role, that's up to me. And I've used that and I've always tried to go to the next level, always tried to go to the next level because, again, that, that power, that authority I have is that which I so choose to take. Hopefully that answered the question. 
It does. It's funny when you answered you're only an industrial engineer. I think sometimes we underestimate or underplay who we are by saying the word only. Um, but but that's interesting. And I like the idea is don't ask permission to take on something bigger, to, to really just go for it. So wonderful, wonderful perspective. Yep. Let me ask you another question. And, and you've covered some of it, but what are the key qualities or characteristics that you believe make leaders successful? You know, there's so much controversy about what's the perfect leader today. And I don't believe there's anyone that's perfect. But what have you noticed in terms of the essential qualities? And I know you mentioned empathy, but building upon that. Yeah, so I, I, I do think, thank you. I do think that there are some, some qualities that are out there that I also think they change depending on the situation. And, and there's some of the standard ones that I tried to keep together, like accountability, problem solving, confidence. Those are, you know, some of the, I'll call them table stakes because I do think that's, those are critical, but some that are near and dear to my heart that I don't think can waver at all. And I'll list them out, but integrity and honesty. And it's not just one time, it's all the time. And those things are, I think, you know, absolutely paramount that have to be demonstrated every single day. Courage. This is something that, you know, it's difficult in some of the things that we do and in some of the situations that we get into and, and being there and being courageous, making decisions, tough decisions. And I, I link that to make those decisions in a calm and confident manner. I do think a leader needs to be positive that no matter what, we have to be calm and positive as we move forward. I mentioned this from a, a sports standpoint, but motivation. Um, you win some and you lose some. I like to win a lot more than I like to lose, but you need to remain motivated as a leader when you're in the front of the room and recognize that even when you're in the back of the room, you're being looked at. And so you need to make sure that everything you do is in a motivating fashion. And I think one thing that I, I have learned that followership is critical for successful leaders. Folks that I've known through my career are tremendous leaders and therefore have extensive followership. So those are just a few. And as mentioned, I do think leadership qualities vary, not that you ignore some because those are always there, but some become more apparent depending on the situation, the environment, and, and as you kind of roll forward with your day-to-day -day and your month-to-month -month and your year-to-year -year activities. You know, you mentioned the word courage. Um, I was just a quick story. Years ago, I worked at Quantico and I was talking to some generals and I said, describe or define leadership. And one said inspirational, one said confidence without, uh, with humility. Um, and one said courage. I said, sure, courage to fight for your country. And he said, no, courage to tell the truth, courage to be transparent, to, to be vulnerable, because when we're overseas, we're everyone's brother. And, and I thought, as you said that, um, you're so value-driven. It's, it's really interesting that courage shows up when you know who you are and, and you're, you're clear on your values. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I think there's consistency in what we have to do. So those values are consistent you know, in, in what we do every day, you, you can't have inconsistency. And I do, again, think that that courage is a, is a, a 
a major factor in that from a consistent and courageous manner. And you made a comment about motivation. I've always thought motivation is an inside job. You've been through lots of challenges in these changing times. How have you been able to sustain that self-motivation? Well, so from a self-motivation, I think a couple things come to mind. First and and foremost, I, I think you have to enjoy what you do. And if you look at my career, and I've been very fortunate, not only pre-SAP, but now being here over 26 years, the company has allowed me to move into different roles and keep myself interested and excited and inspired by something new. What I've talked about and said uh, many a times, if my head's not popping off the pillow to go do my job, I'm probably not enjoying it. And therefore, I probably need to think about doing something else. Mm -hmm. I'm 18 months in my current role and my head pops off the pillow every day because that is something new. There's something exciting every day that I need to do, whether it's customer facing, whether it's internal, whether it's my organization, whether it's the six other board areas that we work with within our organization, keeping myself motivated and excited to to do something new every day. And that from a motivation standpoint, I've been very fortunate to expand my career from you know, various places, going back to an industrial engineer, becoming a line supervisor, coming over to SAP back in 96, Y2K, recessions, you know, new solutions. I've been quite excited and remain motivated because I've been learning something new and continuing to expand my experiences. That's probably the secret, isn't it? To push yourself and to always be open to new possibilities. So what specific practices or strategies do you employ to foster a culture of inspiration, motivation within your team, within your organization? How do you transfer it to to a bigger picture? Yeah, so it's a a great question. I I think, and I, I don't want to always go back to this, but I do think it is something that is consistent. It's the fact that it's, I've always said this, it's a team sport and you need to communicate and collaborate. Uh, in the way in which you uh, do things. I think you need to be genuine in what you do uh, every day. Um, I think when people see that and they see how we want to work together, we want to be definitive with what our strategy is and consistent. We don't want to be changing things. Hey, I need you to do this this week or this quarter. I want to do this for the next three, five years. And if something does change, openly communicate what is going to change. You talk about creating a culture of recognition. I'm really curious to know, what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah, so a culture of recognition, as mentioned, we we do have obviously a monetary recognition. You do a great job, you get your compensation to, to go along with that great job. But there's so many more avenues to do. One of the things that we we like to do, or I like to do with my team is, depending on levels, and it's across the board, is is simple lunch sessions. I visit with my role, North American offices all across the U.S. and even into Canada, sitting down with our early talents, recognizing what they do every day, sitting down with our top leaders and recognizing what they do every day. So recognition to me is, it can be across the full gamut of our organization. And again, all the things that we do within our organization, whether you're a delivery individual, whether you're a sales individual, 
working with our counterparts in our engineering organization, giving the recognition back. Fortunately, I get to speak to customers on a very frequent basis. And so hearing the feedback from our customers, whether it's at a a conference like I attended very recently down in Miami, to hear the feedback of the conference and give that feedback not only to the people below me, but above in the organization. Hey, this is what the customer said about this summit. This is what the customer said about the services that we provide. So that open communication across the organization from top to bottom, I think brings that culture of recognition, good and bad. What I hear you say, which is so, so critical for leadership, is is you're making your people feel part of something bigger, as something important that they, they feel their, their work is being valued. And, and that's a real gap in, with a lot of leaders, Craig, and you do it so instinctively. Just sharing that you care for what they do makes such a difference and being able to promote it to all levels within the company. Uh, sometimes we make assumptions that people see their value. They see that they what they do is important, but you verbalize it. So that's that's so cool. Yeah, that, and Roz, let me just jump on that a little bit because I uh, I do think it's critical to do the recognition, but to reiterate what our purpose is, and that can't be just one time. I uh, you know I started in my current role about twenty months ago. And we worked with the team to clearly articulate what is our strategy. And that strategy isn't just one and done. That strategy is repeated over and over again to make sure that all parts of the organization and organizations that are not within my responsibility line, but to make sure that we all all are pulling the oars together towards Mm -hmm. that strategy and continuous reinforcement of what that strategy is to allow people to understand, hey, this is our ultimate goal and stay that course. Wow. (laughs) I I believe over-communication is essential, right? We're all so busy. Let me move on. You know, in business, it often feels that the focus is on speed, productivity, gaining a competitive advantage. How do you balance pushing your teams to achieve ambitious goals while ensuring their well-being, that they have work-life balance? Probably a million dollar question, right? Yeah, yeah, this is a tough one. And uh, I do think there's a couple things in here. First off, and this is one that has be, been a difficult one, it's empathetic leadership, I think, is a, a clear uh, position we need to take. Uh, we need to lead. Uh, I always ask my te- team to lead from the front. Uh, simple things like, hey, you go to a conference, as mentioned. Where do you sit in that conference? You sit in the front. Um, so you lead from the front. Um, and you demonstrate. And so leading uh, and showing people, this is how I expect folks to work so that, hey, if Craig's doing it, I can do it. I can't expect my team to do something more than what I'm doing. So I do think that demonstration of leadership on how you do things is important. But I also encourage, and this is a bit of the balance, and you know, as we've kind of grown and, and I've grown in my career, uh, my leadership uh, style has changed, and I think that's uh, important for folks to have the flexibility. But we do need to encourage a work-life balance. There needs to be the ability to work hard, and I, that's the expectation of what we do. We work hard. Uh, we have to deliver results for our customers. 
but we also uh, really expect them to be able to, I'll say, rest hard or play hard. Meaning you have a day job. Everybody goes to work, you know, whether it's 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, but they also have, you know, their personal life. And that needs to be respected, that needs to be understood, and it needs to be encouraged. Taking vacations. And when you take a vacation, you need to take a vacation. Now, I'll also say that I'm one of the worst folks to really practice vacation, meaning, hey, I'm not at work for the next seven days. There's always a phone call that's going to sneak in, but that's something that we always need to encourage. When you are on vacation, stay on vacation. I'm very fortunate to have a fantastic leadership team, and that leadership team, can, they, they're very strong. They're very empowered. They're very capable to handle the uh, work, and I need to be able to uh, step away and empower them to carry forward. Because again, if I don't step away when it's their turn to take a vacation, they're not going to step away. Yeah, I mean, you're actually the role model for that. You know what I see a lot, however, is where leaders take vacation and they're checking in every day. And I, I feel it disempowers people. It makes them feel that their leaders don't trust them. Are you on the same page as me? I am. And it's a very difficult, as I've mentioned, uh, it's the way I, I feel like I was uh, brought up, you know, even going back to my my first uh, roles uh, coming out of college. I always felt that uh, I needed to continuously participate and I need to do a better job of that. But you're absolutely right. Once I step in, once I start to ask while I'm out, that feeling of empowerment, which I strive to get. And that's where you have to reflect on, hey, when my boss is off and he's calling me, I don't feel like maybe the trust is there. And I got to give it to my boss. He does a great job when he takes vacation. He does empower me. He does trust me so that he can take his vacation time. I want to go to trust because trust is, is so critical. And leaders come in all different sizes, shapes, personalities. But the most important, I believe, is to be able to create trust within your culture. What do you do? It seems to be lacking in so many companies. They're taking surveys and the employees do not seem to have trust for their leadership. Is there any wisdom or techniques you use to build mutual trust and rapport with your people? Yeah, there's a couple things. So first off, you mentioned surveys and it's important. You need to understand from a survey standpoint, get the feedback from your team so that you understand hey, where are we? Where are we with trust? We know that with higher trust scores, you're going to get uh, better results from your team. You're going to have lower attrition rates. You're going to have an organization, which fortunately SAP is always a top company that individuals want to work for. And I do think that's because of trust. But so that trust needs to be measured. So I, I, I want to make sure that that's understood. And one of the things I think we leverage is we use the trust triangle. There's three things that I think are critical, and those are uh, empathy uh, when you speak to an individual, when you talk to them, when you talk to a team, you need to do that in an empathetic fashion. You need to do it from a logical standpoint. What what are we talking about here? I'm talking about that. Well, this is has there's logical reasoning behind what we're talking about, what we're driving, what, what are we trying to accomplish? And then we have to drive this trust from an authentic standpoint. 
This isn't something that Craig's making up just because he's on a phone call, just because he's in front of a room. This is the way Craig operates every day. I've mentioned before, I believe that when we have a, a, a strong leadership credo at SAP, and it's not just for uh, leaders, this is for everybody in the, in the company. And, and that's around being accountable, being agile, being ethical, being inclusive, and bringing our strategy to life. One of the things that I've always said, and that's SAP's leadership credo, but one of the things I've said for 20 plus years is DTRT, and that's do the right thing. Every time you do things, you have to do it from a do the right thing type of standpoint, whether that's with your employees, whether that's with your customers, that's whether it's in your personal life. If we're doing the right thing each and every time in a empathetic and a logical and with authenticity, people's trust does grow. And that's one thing I'm excited about. Again, in my current role, you know, our trust scores were very high and I was very excited about that. However, it's not good enough. Trust can always be better. There, if somebody doesn't feel trust, if there's an area of the organization that doesn't feel that trust, let's dig in and understand what's the issue. Let's have an open dialogue. Final thing I'll mention that we do here to bring this open trust communication, we do something called a listen, learn, and answer tour in our organization. And I have roughly 10 business units in my organization and each of them have 100 to 200 people in them. But we do a listen, learn, and answer tour with each business unit to share open dialogue. Let's hear what they have to say. Let's listen, understand some feedback. Let's learn from some of their feedback and then allow questions so that we can answer. That open dialogue, that open communication, again, driving it across the purpose to drive more trust within our organization, I think has gone a long way. And I do think it's resonated with the teams and it's driven positive results for our organization over the past two years, I'll say. Craig, that makes me think about leadership is being vulnerable. You know, uh, Patrick Lencioni talks about creating vulnerability trust and mm -hmm. it's a very positive uh, component to leadership. How do you how do you build that confidence to be vulnerable. I've had leaders when I've coached them saying, uh -uh, I do not want to be vulnerable. This is not how I want to be seen as a leader. And yet you embrace it. So, so could you share your thoughts on vulnerability in leadership? Sure. Yeah. And this is actually an interesting one. And uh, as I've mentioned for my career, uh, you know, I, I, I came out of uh, college and I was going to go into the construction world. And I'm not saying anything negative about construction, but I didn't see much vulnerability in the construction world. I moved into aerospace and defense, worked on the shop floor. There wasn't much vulnerability. It wasn't perceived as the right thing to do. But as I mentioned, leadership changes, styles change. We need to continue to be flexible. And this is a critical area that I think more leaders need to focus on is that vulnerability. It is something that I've tried to change. You know, even in the 27 years that I've been here at SAP, I've seen how being more vulnerable, being more open, sharing more information, talking about things that, that change every day, whether it's at work or whether it's around the world, macroeconomic conditions that take place, things that impact us should be talked about. 
and should be talked about and shared. I do feel like when I'm vulnerable, and again, this is with my team, it allows them to be vulnerable in return. And this isn't with only with my team. It's also with my leadership, whether it's with my boss, whether it's with the board, but sharing, these are my feelings. This is the impact that what we're doing, I think goes a really long way. And I think the more we do it, at various leadership levels, it allows for folks to feel more part of something bigger than necessarily, you know, a KPI. It, you feel part of an organization. You feel personally engaged in what Craig's doing every day. I, I look at my board, you know, and that vulnerability that they show to me, I have a stronger attachment to them based on them sharing that vulnerability. And I'll tell you what, it, it really reflects in uh, my behaviors. I never want to let my boss down. I never want to let the board down, nor do I ever want to let my people down um, based on that tighter connection I feel because of that sharing of vulnerability. I guess it's, it's the courage to be as honest and open. Uh, I like what you're saying. You know, leadership doesn't have to be perfection. I, don't, I think that as leaders, everyone has shortcomings. But to be able to be transparent, and I think as you're suggesting, you know, just listen and and be open to what people have to say and respect people for their honesty. But you have to set the stage to be transparent yourself, which is sometimes challenging. We we have such high self-standards, but I see the best leaders, uh, they focus on their strengths and they delegate their weaknesses. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, it it does. I mean, of course, uh, on the strength uh, front, it's it's easy to do that. If I have somebody on my team that's a really good uh, uh, operational leader, yeah, I'm going to delegate that to them the weaknesses to your point, you know, that's something that I think we all need to focus on our weaknesses went. And that's part of the vulnerability stepping into the weakness, right? Uh, Maybe my operational skills are not that great, but that's where I need to step into that, recognize that. And I think that's what improves us as well. Recognizing when we, where we have our weaknesses, sure. Bring in somebody who has uh, more skills, but at be also vulnerable to recognize that I may be weak here and learn about that and make yourself a better individual. Mm-hmm. We did start something very recently, and I go back to our credo about being accountable. We're starting something, and it's called It Starts With Me. A simple little thing that we want everybody to feel, being accountable. So it starts with me, and part of starting with me, I need to take a look at maybe where some of my weaknesses are and work on those weaknesses to make me a better individual. How do you get feedback for yourself? I have a great team, and I mentioned that. And whenever you do something, uh, I, I always ask for feedback. And uh, 99 out of 100 times, people will say, that was great. You did it. This was awesome. I really love this message. So that's good. And it's good to get good feedback. But the more important feedback is the negative feedback. So I always ask for, tell me something that wasn't good. What could we do better? And I think that's the important part that we need to to focus on to get that feedback, get that communication. So that's more of ongoing day-to-day conversation, open communication. I mentioned the listen, learn, and answer. That's more organizational. When I talk to, you of course, have your your boss that you ask for feedback and 
in many organizations, you don't just have one boss and, and I don't, I have multiple bosses, you know, whether it's my direct line or it's a dotted line to the president of North America, it's, it's important to get feedback from up above, but also throughout the organization. As I mentioned, uh, I do have the opportunity to talk to folks, beginning with folks that are just coming in the door, early talent, able to participate on phone calls and hear their feedback. I, you know, my folks that have been here for a long time, leadership, individual contributors. I do think that looking across the organization for your, your, your own direct line is important. But I also think feedback outside of your organization is incredibly important. As mentioned, I do have the opportunity to speak to many of our customers. There's nothing better and to, to get together with our customers and get their feedback, ideate with them, allow for innovation, innovative conversations to take place. Nothing better than having a, a customer conversation. I, I travel quite a bit. Yesterday I was in Cleveland and I was with two customers at different levels of their journey with SAP. But the feedback that you receive from them on what we can do as individuals, as a company to, to support them also goes a long way and is a, is a tremendous vehicle for feedback. I love how you're sharing how to take relationships and really make them, enhance them, make them more rich and, and seeking out feedback, where they say that feedback is the breakfast of champions, you know, being able to be open to it. Uh, and, and I think, you know, when you hear about people say, well, I don't get any negative feedback, everything's fine. I don't think they're demonstrating great leadership, Craig, because people are afraid to tell them. So it's just wonderful how setting the tone really enriches a culture where people want to be part of it. We're, we're coming to the end. You know, as I, I think about all that you shared, really leadership isn't a, isn't a thing like you can't measure it. But you can measure followership. And that tells us we know that we're demonstrating the right type of leadership. You have a huge, huge following from internal as well as external customers that, that are so grateful for, for who you are. If you look back on your journey, what advice would you give to, you know, next talent coming in, aspiring leaders? who want to be like you, they want to achieve success and greatness in their career, you know, and any last minute tips that you could share from your experience? Yeah. So uh, thank you, Roz. I, I appreciate the, the comment that folks may want to follow some of the things that I've done, but, you know, and I'm saying that with a smile, but a couple things. First off, there's no shortcuts. Uh, I don't believe that things happen because of shortcuts. I think it really goes back to hard work. And I, you know, as I reflect on my, on my career, I do think that, you know, getting in the office at seven, stay, you know, when everybody's leaving at five, staying till seven, staying till nine, whatever the, whatever it takes, I do think hard work is necessary for success in, in today's world. And actually I'll say yesterday's world. When I started my career, you know, a few decades ago, showing my age there a little bit. I do think that there's a couple things around, and, and we have a saying, always be, and then fill in the blank. Always be, you know, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross always said, always be closing for a, a sales. I do think a, a success criteria is always be networking. 
I do think it's critical. You know, Raj, you and I met, goodness, 15, 18 years ago, and we've, we've stayed in contact because we continue to network. You've given me guidance. You've given me advice. But I think that always be networking within your organization, whether it's your direct line, outside of your line, or outside of your organization. I think it's critical from a success standpoint to truly be networking with other individuals. And it's not because you're looking for a job. It's because you're looking and seeking that feedback. You're looking and seeking that information on, hey, this is what I want to do. Whomever that person may be and that advice that you can look back on, whether it's, you know, I'll look at Terry Liddell as an advisor of mine way back in the day. And his, I said, hey, this is where I want to go. And that was a question he asked, Craig, where do you want to go? I said, well, this is where I want to go. And he said, well, Craig, maybe you got to take a step down or take a step to the side in order to take a few steps up. Tremendous advice from somebody that was several years ago that I continue to, to leverage today. As far as, as far as maybe some of the other things to aspiring leaders, you know, don't be afraid of the hard work, always be networking. But I also think it's critical that we hold ourselves accountable and deliver what we're doing with this, you know, start with me, making sure that people understand that what we do, people are always looking at us and you've got to kind of lead from the front. And then I think the last piece, and and my team knows that I say this over and over again, whether, you know, DTRT, I've mentioned that from do the right thing, but I think it's critical that we do this and, and with a mindset of a team sport. I always go back to some of the things that I learned on whether it was the soccer field, the baseball field, the basketball court, the rugby pitch, you know, things that I've done through my career. You're only as successful as the folks that are around you. And I think that starts with a team sport, reiterating that, understanding that no matter the size of your team. If you're an individual contributor, you work with other people, you contribute to that team. If you lead a group of folks, you're the team leader, you're the captain of the team. You run an organization of, you know, 25,000 or 50,000. It's a team sport and you're only as successful as the team members that you, you work with every day. Craig, I don't even have to summarize what our discussion has been. You've done such a wonderful, wonderful job. I will reiterate that your network is, is I call it your network is your net worth uh, and not to have a purpose always, but also to share and help others to grow, you know, with that servant leadership mindset that that you've said. And I'm going to adopt the DTRT as part of my mantra, but I will give you credit. Sadly, we're out of time, Craig. Your openness in sharing both your personal journey and your nuggets of leadership wisdom has made this podcast episode so special, special to me and I know to all my listeners. And, and I know that your insights are from your heart Uh, You've inspired me to really do the right thing, understanding it's a team sport. So I can't thank you enough for being so genuine and so kind with your, and generous with your time. And I thank you and wish you much continued success and significance in all that you're going to be doing. Well, Roz, thank you very much. Thanks for reaching back to somebody who we've worked with, as I mentioned you know, over a dozen years ago. And I appreciate this time today just to share a little information. And I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you as always. Thank you again. Take care. Bye-bye. 
If you wish to listen to our past episodes or more information on the Asheroff Institute, please visit asheroff.com. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day.